Why do African Americans have more kidney disease? One reason is due to genetic variations in a gene called APOL1. In this episode of the ASN Kidney News Podcast, Martin Pollack, Chief of the Division of Nephrology at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, discusses his research identifying the association of APOL1 gene variants and persons of African ancestry. Also, Dr. Pollack speaks about running the Boston Marathon in support of kidney disease research and how he prepared for his first race. Why are African Americans so much more likely to get kidney disease than Caucasians? Well, this is something we're studying and as other people are doing as well. And, you know, we now think the big reason that African Americans get so much more kidney disease than people of other ethnicities has to do with genetic variations in a gene that's called APOL1 stands for apolipoprotein L1. There are two specific changes in this gene that are common in people with descendants from from Africa, and we think it's those genetic changes that make people particularly susceptible to kidney disease. Why do African Americans have this, this gene variant? Our hypothesis is that these variants help protect people against parasite infections, a particular kind of parasitic infection called sleeping sickness in Africa itself. In Africa, a parasite called the trypanosome can infect people through the bite of the tsetse fly. This can lead to a really devastating neurological condition called African sleeping sickness. And it had been shown by people before we got involved in this that this protein, apolipoprotein L1, protects all humans from certain forms of trypanosomes, but it seems that people with these two particular variants that we've started calling G1 and G2, the variants that are associated with kidney disease, if you have the G1 and G2, you're protected against the kinds of trypanosomes that cause infection in humans. And and so we think that, that the reason these genetic variants became common in Africa is that they protect people against sleeping sickness. And so, um, like a lot of things, you know, these are genetic variants that we can't say they're good or bad for people. They just, they have a beneficial effect. They protect people against sleeping sickness, but they have a detrimental effect in terms of increasing the risk of kidney disease. And that's why we think they're relatively common in people who have reasoned African ancestors. The other part of your question is, why does this lead to kidney disease? And we don't really know exactly why in terms of what it does to the kidney. And that's something that we would like to understand. So how are you trying to understand that? Well, we're doing a lot of laboratory experiments trying to explore what these protein changes do to the kidney. We're taking you know, a variety of approaches in the laboratory to try to see if we can sort this out. It's a, it's a hard problem. When you mention African ancestry, is it mostly sub-Saharan Africa or is it the entire Yes, I should say sub-Saharan Africa mostly Western Africa, where these variants are particularly common. Is there a similar genetic variation in terms of cardiovascular disease and hypertension and diabetes? You know, as far as we can tell, these variants don't have a big effect on risk of hypertension per se. They seem to affect the risk of kidney disease associated with hypertension, but not the risk of hypertension by itself. It doesn't seem to affect the risk of diabetes or diabetic kidney disease. And how did you initially make the discovery of of APOL1? People had had previously some really important 
papers had data identified a region of the genome that seemed to be responsible for this high rate of kidney disease in African Americans. And, and we started looking at this region, and our studies led us to, to be suspicious about this gene, particularly the fact that it has a role in infectious disease and the fact that we saw these variants at high frequency in African Americans. Those things led us to this conclusion, ultimately. And as you look at your research moving forward, in addition to really understanding ICAL-1, I mean, what are some of the other sort of areas of research that are related that you're interested in? A big focus of uh, my group's research over the past you know, 10, 15 years has been looking for uh, genes that are involved in, in why people get what's called focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, FSGS, which is a condition, it's really a, a kind of kidney injury where some of the glomeruli start to get protein deposits and the cells called the podocytes in the kidney start to degenerate and protein is leaked in the urine. This, this condition, or FSGS or focal segmental glomerulosclerosis, can be caused by a lot of underlying conditions, but sometimes genetic differences, mutations in genes can lead to FSGS, and we've been trying to identify those genes for quite some time, and, and that work is what led us in the direction of APOL1, and we continue to look for other genes as well. We think it's unlikely that there are going to be any other genes that are, as, gene variants, I should say, that are as common as APOL1, although there are probably other mutations that, that have a very strong effect on the risk of getting FSGS, and we're trying to identify more of those. Why'd you uh, decide to run the Boston Marathon? Well, our institution has spots that are used for fundraising for charitable purposes, and they were kind enough to suggest we could do some of these spots for fundraising for kidney disease, education, outreach, and research efforts. And so I thought I should take the challenge and run myself. So what were you most apprehensive about in terms of running your first marathon? Well, I had to get myself in shape. I hadn't been much, you know, a very serious runner up until uh, the late summer of 2011. I knew it would take a lot of work to be able to complete the marathon. Somewhat apprehensive about my ability to, to get myself into adequate shape. What was your uh, training regimen? I ran usually five days a week and uh, short distances during the week and then progressively longer distances on one weekend day. Um, this was following the fairly standard recommendations uh, for how one prepares for a marathon. So for runners in the general public, you know, there is some awareness, and I think increasing awareness, of, of hyponatremia. I'm just wondering if you could describe that for our listening audience. Sure. Well, hyponatremia is, the, the word means low sodium level, and it's counterintuitive for some people, but having a low sodium level in, in the blood is, is really caused predominantly by taking in too much water and not excreting that water, becoming what we call volume depleted, losing fluid and losing salt from things like sweat can contribute, but then it's when people take in a lot of water and dilute down the sodium level in their blood and hold on to this water, this is what leads to hyponatremia. 
this usually isn't a big problem for most people who who aren't exercising in an extreme way most of the day. It's very hard to drink so much water uh, normally that one develops hyponatremia. So before we sort of leave the topic of the Boston Marathon, I have to ask, in, in 10 years when you think back on your marathon experience, what's the one memory that you'll have? Somehow when I was running to the finish line, I, I remember having the feeling that you know, if this were even 10 feet more than it, than it is, I, I, I wouldn't make it. Somehow at least my brain you know, focuses in on, on knowing when you're going to be done, and, and I don't think I could have. It was very exciting at the end, and there were a lot. Of, the crowds were loud, but I remember feeling so exhausted that I didn't think I could make it another ten feet. It was frustrating that it was so hot, and I, it made me sign up to do another marathon. I'm planning to do to do the Philadelphia Marathon in November because I ran very slowly because I really was uh, unsure how I would deal with that heat, having never run in that kind of temperature before. So now I'm, I, I, I feel like I've. I'm in so much better shape than I was a year ago. I don't want to stop, and I, I'm going I'm to challenge myself and keep it up. Thank you very much. My pleasure. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. The information in this podcast should not be used during a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified health care provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.